Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be, as you flow and navigate the pathways and roadways of life's particular journeys, I hope that you're able to discern what ascension symptoms are happening to you and when they are something other than ascension symptoms. Uh, Today's list that we have, and this is a series I'm doing, today's the third, no, oh my goodness, the fourth day of it. We are, um, well, we're taking, first of all, we're taking the information from enlighteningmedia.nl And the article is list of 53 Ascension symptoms of 2021. That's what it says in the um, (laughs) space bar above the article. And the article itself says 43 symptoms. So I don't know if they added 10 more and forgot to name, rename the article or if it's a typo, I don't know what it is. But um, today's list is not really anything that can be mistaken for uh medical issues at all which is good (laughs) although i mean there might be medical things but we'll get to that in a minute but uh some of these things maybe one one or two could possibly be coming from um when people are casting black magic or voodoo Santeria, that kind of stuff. Uh, even kahunas can do this kind of uh, magic, uh, dark magic, black magic, any kind of, uh, separation, um, magic, uh, you know, like anti-love magic or whatever. I just wanted to bring that up because sometimes you might think, well, it's an ascension symptom. And then something major happens and you're like, uh, wait a minute, (laughs) that might not be an ascension symptom. So we're going to go over the next, uh, list, uh, you know, today, um, I guess I'll just read it through and then, you know, give you my two cents worth and expand upon the idea. Okay. So the first one is higher expectations from yourself and others. So, uh, she says, when you wake up and ascend your, uh, 5d consciousness path will, uh, make you have a desire, uh, to act with authority, integrity, and, uh, spiritual excellence. So you'll start to expect more from yourself every day. And ultimately that's going to extend to all the people around you as well. 
Okay. So you'll put pressure on yourself and even others to be better people, uh, especially on a spiritual path. So you'll start to learn that we're all on different levels of evolution overall, uh, obviously, but you start to be more like hyper aware of it. That's what I think she means. Um, and so she says over time, the expectations that you have of others will wane. So, uh, instead you apply your own changes to yourself first and foremost, obviously. And then you'll see that naturally your changes affect change in others. And this is when you start to have spiritual maturity dawning and more spiritual wisdom. So I agree with that. I have noticed that in and of myself as well. Um, you, uh, you, you tend to have more, uh, integrity. The more you, you get on this path, you have high expectations because you start to realize after you, have uh, gone through a couple bad relationships, maybe romantic or friendships or other kinds of relationships, such as having a, a really crappy boss or maybe your parents, you know, anyone in your life who's been, um, like a, a sociopath or a narcissist, uh, you know, they'll take advantage of you, especially if you're an empath and they'll take advantage of you. They'll gaslight you. They'll treat you really badly. And you just, you put up with it because you think, well, if I only love this person enough, or if I do what they say, you know, if I, you know, like say you want to go out and do fun things, like you want to walk along nature trails, hit the beach, get on a sailboat and sail to a different place or get in a canoe and go down a river, <laughs> you know, um, you know, you want to go do something fun. Um, for me, those are ideas, my ideas of fun, I guess, <laughs> you know, you want to just get out there, even just to hit the jazz club, go out to dinner and a movie can be fun sometimes. You know, it's, it's like a typical date type of thing, but even that can be super fun sometimes. And it's like, um, you know, you're with somebody who will only force you into a situation where they're so jealous of other people that you have to be home alone, watching TV and nothing else. You know, maybe you'll make dinner together. Maybe you'll order out, but it's always home, always eating, always, you know, TV or whatever, which is, it, it gets a little boring and they force you into that situation you want to do something else. They accuse you of cheating. For example, it's, it's a, an extreme example, but that's the kind of thing that like a narcissist or a sociopath would do. You know, they, they put you under their thumb and they, look at your life under a microscope and they get very angry. Um, when you want to do something outside of the relationship or outside of, uh, just being alone with them where you can pay attention to them a hundred percent of the time. So, um, you know, that's another thing. It's something I haven't really noticed or, or I mean, I've noticed it, but I haven't talked to you guys about it. So I noticed I haven't brought this up to you. That's another thing that a narcissist will do. They'll just force you, um, into situations where you have to listen to them and pay attention to them and not just for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, but like hours upon hours upon hours. And it's ridiculous. It's like, Oh my God, I have other shit to do in my life. Right. You know, um, but <laughs> you know, uh, 
you end up noticing, you know, things in your life or things in your past relationships where you're like, I don't really want to be treated that way anymore. I want to have a mutual exchange. I want to hear their stories and their things, but I also want to share my own and I don't want to be a doormat for anybody's problems. Um, one time I went on a date with this guy who, um, I told, I don't think we're gelling here. So it was nice to meet you. And I hope that you, uh, get better, but you, you sound to me like you're not ready for, you know, any kind of relationship or commitment. Cause you're been seen here with me for 20 minutes talking about your ex and his words to me were hilarious. He said, I mean, it wasn't hilarious to him, but it was hilarious to me later. I laughed about it. And he, he said, but I thought we could commiserate about the breaking up of our relationships together. And I'm like, oh, well, I was actually looking for a relationship because I'm over mine. <laughs> I'm like over my ex now. It's all, it's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to be in a pity party. Uh, you know, I, I'm not interested in that. You know, and he, he like did spend 10 minutes talking about his therapist and the conversations he had with his therapist, which was him telling her the same shit he just spent the time telling me about. And it was like, I don't know. I don't really need to be with a narcissist. And as soon as I said, I don't think so. It's not really what I'm looking for. And he says, well, I didn't want to, um, be with a woman who looks like she's six months pregnant anyway. And then he stared at my stomach and he was only doing that because I ate a taco, one little tiny taco in front of him. And I didn't look six months pregnant. He was exaggerating, but he was a narcissist. That's what they do. They make you feel bad. They lash out. They, <laughs> and I'm like, well, to be honest, if we were going to speak frank with each other, you look like you're 11 months pregnant and you're a man. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I go, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. And I went to the bathroom. I just laughed my ass off in there for like 20 minutes going, please leave, please leave. I don't even want him to see my car. I don't want this guy to stalk me. This guy is crazy. And I just totally just, I was like, I just can't even with this guy. <laughs> and he left, he left. I was like, bye, you know? So I came back out and I said to the, the, um, the guy in the restaurant, I'm like the waiter, I'm like, Hey, uh, what happened? The guy was sitting here. He's like, Oh, I thought you guys left. I'm like, no, I was hiding in the bathroom hoping he would leave. And I burst out laughing. He goes, Oh my God, that bad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's like in the top 10 worst dates of my life. So yeah, I would have to say, <laughs> I mean, someday I might have the worst date I was ever on. I might make a book like this because I have several hilarious stories. You know, if you guys think it's a good idea, write to me and tell me that you have some dating stories <laughs> that you want to share with me that were the worst date ever, you know, that were like extremely bad. Um, but anyway, that's a whole nother side note, but it gets to a point where you just like, you just don't have time, you know, you just don't have time for people's, uh, shenanigans and you don't have time for them to put you down or gaslight you or, um, talk shit about you because you did something or said something that they don't like, you know, like for, you know, that guy to tell me, you know, to, that I'm, I'm too fat for him or whatever, basically, you know, by saying that I look pregnant, which at the time I was like, what's wrong with you, dude? You know, and it's like, I, I know I don't, I knew he was just lying to me. And, um, it was really annoying. 
you know, so I just got him back. I just did the same thing. He did look 11 months pregnant, just to be honest. I mean, I was never going to say anything to him, but like his picture that he put, he was like a hot 20 year old, uh, like kind of firefighter dude, like ripped muscles. And then when I showed up, here's an 11 month pregnant man who, looks like he's 25 years older than he was in the picture. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so he's a liar, right? You know, and he's like, you look just like your picture. I'm like, I know, because I'm not a fucking liar, you know? <laughs> you know, it's just the way I am. But, you know, but you, you, when you get into social situations, you start realizing who you want to hang out with, who you don't. And even in like the area where you hang out, you're just, there's certain places you just go, I don't like the vibe of that street or that neighborhood or that club anymore. Like, I don't think I want to hit the club anymore. You know, you get to a point where you're just like, I don't like that energy. You know, like I used to go to a bar in Chico that just popped into my mind. So I'm going to tell you guys about this bar. I really loved this place because it was funky and weird and they had a a good dance floor, but the second or third time I went there, I realized that my, um, my energy, my vibe went down when I went into the place and halfway through every time I've been there, I started sneezing. And I remember one day I looked up and I realized that the walls were covered in, um, animal heads. (laughs) I mean, of every kind, like warthogs, like cows, uh, pigs, like all kinds of dead animals, like animal heads. And it was only one section of this place. It's a really funky place in Chico, California. And I noticed when they, um, like somewhere, I think it, it was like they opened a door to the kitchen and then light flooded the place for a split second right when I was looking up and I noticed that not only was the place covered in animal heads, nobody had dusted the animal heads in like a year or more is what it looked like. And I'm like, that is why I'm sneezing when I'm in here. And then they sat me, I went there two or three times and I think this is like the third time and final time that I went to the extra room that I had never been with all the animal heads. I'm like, no wonder it's such a weird energy. And, um, there was like, like the potential of having dust in my food freaked me out. Like, Oh God. And I realized it was the lack of integrity of the people running the place. They didn't keep it clean. They kept it funky and weird, which usually I like funky, but not that funky. Like, you know, funky is like, you know, purple on one wall, green on another wall. I love that kind of funky, you know, artsy signs with kitschy sayings. You know, that's cool. Even, even wild art that makes you think, but you know, my favorite uh, place in Guatemala was a, a restaurant called Frida's and it was all Frida Kahlo's art. And they even had like one massive painting that was like 10 feet tall of uh, Frida's, um, is a picture of her and how she felt about her spine because she's always in pain. And, um, it was really abstract and awesome looking until you realize what it is. Then you feel sad for her. You just send her love and energy, even though God rest her soul, she's already passed. But, um, 
but it was, uh, you know, that was cool and funky, but like this energy was like, Oh, they don't even clean. Like, you know, it's enough to have the animals on the wall that made me like, this is too funky, (laughs) but that was like a little bit much for me, you know, like that was too weird. That was literally too weird. So, you know, so even like places, um, you know, she says yourself and others, and that's true, but you start, it, it gets to a point where you don't really have the high expectations. Like I'd never held the expectation that those people were going to ever change their place, their restaurant and bar and disco spot. But I did expect that I would never return as soon as I saw that, like that had zero integrity to me. And I also stopped drinking out in bars with a lot of other people like back then I tried it, you know, and I remember I needed an elevated experience and I found an amazing wine bar and I love wine and I would go and I went to this place and they, um, had jazz playing and I just had this big, uh, glass of Chardonnay, which was amazing. And I liked the energy of it better, but nobody talked to me and nobody was social. So I was like, okay, it's like an octave higher (laughs) in vibration, but at the same time, wasn't quite the higher vibration that I was looking for. And then later I took my kids to this really wild thing, downtown Chico, where you meet up and you're on like a trolley and it wasn't like a cable car on a cable, but it was like a, some kind of like a bus that was like an old trolley, I think from San Francisco. And they put wheels on it like a bus and they would pick you up and take you through the town on the scenic route. And then they would, um, bring you to this place where they had hot apple cider and they had, um, like cookies and all kinds of stuff. And I think it was through the chamber of commerce or I don't know what, but you get to know uh, different business owners in a different way for the holidays. Right. So they have like hot apple cider with cinnamon in it with a cinnamon stick. And my kids loved that kind of thing. You know, and then we're walking through and we're eating food from different booths and different things. And then when you're uh, done, you get back on the trolley car and it takes you back to the parking area where your car is, which is like the other half of town. So it was overall a very enjoyable experience. And they also served me wine. And I'm like, this is really awesome. But it wasn't like people were trying to avoid you. It wasn't negative and dark and dirty with dead animals. <laughs> you know, it's like that was my elevated experience. And that was like 10, 12 years ago. And even so, even stuff like that, like people were talking, people were hugging, like, oh, nice to meet you. And they would hug you, they would kiss you on the cheek. It was like, wow, this is interesting way different vibe. And people are like, how long have you been in Chico? You know, and people are really sweet. And it's like, this is the kind of energy that I need. You know, this is the vibe, right? <clears throat> so you might be in a city that you, you expect, um, you need to leave because you expect better vibes overall from people, you know? Um, so I do agree that when you like expect it in a way where you're kind of forcing other people to change, like you're talking to them about it, you did this and you did that, that, you know, you start to grow eventually spiritually and then you won't do that anymore. I do agree with her when she said that, like, yeah, I did notice that in the beginning. Like, I'd be like, you don't have integrity. And I get so angry at people. And I mean, this is like 12, 15 years ago. And now I'm like, nah, if they don't have integrity, that's cool. That's where they're at. You know what? 
I don't need to hang out with them. You know, like I'm going to meet somebody different. I'm going to go to a different city or different bar or (laughs) not a bar at all, but maybe to a function, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's just one thing going to a bar to have a glass of wine. It's quite another to pay a hundred dollars to get into, um, the zoo silent auction where they're going to give you wine and now you're going to be with a bunch of other philanthropists, you know, like that's a whole nother, that's an elevated experience, right? You still get your wine, <laughs> you know, if that's what your thing is, you know what I mean? Like there's different ways to have the experiences that you want where they're elevated and have more integrity and it makes you feel good about yourself to be there. You know, like when I was taking my kids, um, out, I didn't just go to the movies with them. Like I would take them to the symphony. I take them to the zoo. I take them to the Detroit Institute of the arts. You know, um, when we were in the States, we would do stuff like this, you know, dancing in the park every Friday at the Friday night concerts during the summer, we would take them to, I would take them to the, um, sometimes my friend Wayne would come with us or, or meet us over there. We would go to, um, the, uh, movies in the park, which was super fun. Summers used to be super fun. I remember all the social things. I really miss the social calendar that I used to enjoy. Now I had, I don't have a social calendar at all, let alone a calendar. <laughs> but do you guys remember back when we all had calendars? What? <laughs> that's kind of weird, right? Anyway, that has nothing to do with this. So uh, the next ascension symptom is uh, relationship strains and changes. Well, obviously that's going to become when you start to become more spiritually um, wise and you're maturing in that way. Um, it's going to strain your relationships because other people don't want to go at your pace. We all go at a different pace. So what she says here, ultimately, when you elevate an awareness Um, of who you are as a soul on the, you know, on a, on a human journey, your relationships will shift. So, you know, you want to be in the company of other people that are waking up like you are and who have already remembered who they are. And they, the close, the people that are close to you will start to say that you've changed because you have. And sometimes they don't like that. Sometimes it points out their own flaws and their own lack of change It points out where they were lazy morally or spiritually in their life, where they weren't growing in a way that they wanted to, you know, like people, um, got really angry in my family at me. Um, a few people, not a lot, uh, just a couple people got really angry at me and they were acting really jealous when I moved my kids to another country and we started putting up all these uh, travel photos. And I was just trying to share my journey with people and they were getting really angry at me. And I realized later it's because a, they couldn't travel, um, because they had obligations where they were living and B, um, they also did not want to get out of their comfort zone. And that angered them that I was fully willing and able to put myself in a position to get out of my comfort zone and not be so emotionally attached to only one place or one city. You know, like that's, um, a lot of people get so, uh, crazy about the one place they live where they just don't ever want to live in another town or another city ever. I know people who have never left the town. They're born in the town they live in. They're 20, 30, 40, 80 years old, and they've never gone 20 miles down the road. I have met people like that. 
that drove me crazy. I'm like, how? Oh my God. It's like every time I had a weekend or a week, you know, off, you know, I would just like go to Amtrak and buy a ticket and just go somewhere and, and check some stuff out, hit a couple museums up or restaurants. I just love to travel, you know, and I'm like, how could you not want to even see the town one town over? You know, it's like the people of Mayberry, you know, they don't want to go to, was it Mumford or whatever the city was, you know, one city over, you know, remember the Andy Griffith show, they would talk about, you know, or Mount Heights or I don't know. There was just some, there was some city that, or Mount, Mount Pilot, that was the one. Oh, I'm going over to Mount Pilot. Oh, why are you going there? Like people get so curious. Like, oh, why would you go there? Mount Pilot. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, why wouldn't you travel a, a, like a lot, you know? And even on that show is hilarious when someone say they had gone to Paris or something, they would be like, oh, wow, what's that like? You know, or like they've, you've been to New York. Oh, what's that like? Like they're so like wide eyed. Right. And when people, uh, when you get out of your comfort zone, other people get upset because they don't want to have to get up and move. They don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They don't want to be <clears throat> faced with the fact that they never did. Right? So your relationships are going to shift. They'll change. Some people will just stop talking to you entirely and other people will find you a lot more fascinating. I told my kids, I go, I'm going to make you guys undateable <laughs> because you're going to have lived in six different countries in your young lives. By the time you're 18, you're going to speak two languages and they have a lot of, um, information about other languages. They're on their way to being multilingual right now. They're bilingual. I'm like, you know, you're going to have all these experiences. And for the, the greater majority of people in the States, you're going to be undateable because they're going to be so jealous and so upset that you've had these experiences and they haven't that they won't be able to handle your energy, but that's okay. It makes you worldly and it makes you attractive to the right people. You know, the most open-minded people are the ones that will flock to you now <laughs> because you're like so opened up to your spirituality, right? So awareness will reveal the truth within yourself and you won't be able to pretend anymore. You're going to be genuine about who you are. Uh, you know, uh, Becca feel good. Becca is one of my favorite people in the world. And she just had a post today talking about some pretty uncomfortable stuff. And she said, it's time for me to be authentic. There's no more hiding from the fact that I have sexual trauma, you know, and, and I applaud you, Becca. I loved that post. I put it, I didn't, I didn't comment on it. I'm commenting on my show you know, but I did put a heart, you know, I, I did like that because I love that we are all becoming more genuine and more authentic. You know, like my mom would not leave the house unless she had her makeup on, you know, she wouldn't go to the grocery store unless she put her lipstick on and she looked good. She always dressed up, which a part of that, a part of me really appreciates that. But at the same time, there's that genuine and authentic thing. Like I remember the first few times I went to the store without makeup, you know, and I felt weird, you know, and I noticed how people would react to me one way or another. 
you know, and I remember thinking I'm bearing myself to the world. Right. And I remember, and that was just like early on in my spiritual journey, you know, like, like that for me was a big step, but now I'm like, eh, sometimes I wear makeup. Sometimes I don't, I don't always think about it. I usually make sure I have moisturizer on, but that's about it. You know, I just, eh, you know, I mean, if I had, if I had, um, you know, a relationship, I would always make myself look as uh, pretty as possible just because that's pleasant. But, you know, but it, it started off with the physical thing. And then it got to a point where I'm telling you guys about some of my harder things that I've been through, through this platform, through this show. And, um, I have become very authentic and been very genuine in the past, I would say four to five years. Like I wasn't always like this. I was always trying to keep up appearances, just like the TV show, keeping up appearances, you know, that's, you know, we all have these masks and these facades that we show the world. And now that we're opening up spiritually, we're like, I don't need to do that anymore. And it will shift and change your relationships, man. Your friends, your false friends are all going to fall away. When you become genuine, your false friends are going to hate you for it because they have to be faced with the fact that they themselves are false. And then they're going to have to walk away or change. And most likely, you know, people want to take the easiest possible path in life. And so usually they walk away. All right. So the next thing uh, is a growing need to break free. <laughs> I want to break free. <laughs> this can ac- be accompanied by many physical symptoms. And that's what she says here on the article. She says, if you've been off purpose for too long, you start to have the desire to change everything at once and just be free of old restraints and your old ways. And, um, I, I think I have felt that, but I mean, I left in 2013, I moved to, uh, Guatemala with my kids. And that for me was, I had to break free. I was like, I was, I felt like I was dying in the States. I hated being there. I was so upset. I just, I was like, ah, everything is so restrictive you know, making all the payments. I had so many credit card payments and so many car payments and insurance. And I just, it's like, I could never get ahead. I couldn't find a job. I was just like, this is shit. This is just the worst life. I just, (laughs) I had to break free. And at first it was like, I had to break free from, you know, paradise, California, because of all the people that I met were so judgmental. Some were Bible thumpers, but they were all very judgy. And, Oh, are you an out of towner? Well, we grew up here. Like it was just like, Oh my God, I can't live here anymore. So I moved to Chico, which is a really cool and funky place. But after a while, I felt like I outgrew Chico a little bit, even though sometimes I think I really love Chico and I wouldn't mind going back you know, now that I have seen a lot of the, uh, at least the, this part of the world, I, I haven't seen Asia or Europe, you know, and I still have longings to go put sweaters on penguins in New Zealand <laughs> for some reason. But, um, I mean, part of me thinks I, I might go to back to Chico at some point, you know, maybe just to stay for like a month or something just to hang out with my friends there. But, um, 
but I did, I had that, I had, you know, like after I broke free, like, and after Chico, I was like, where am I going to go now? I've been on every street in this town. Now, where am I going to go? And then I moved to, um, the Bay area, San Francisco. And I was like, yeah, I was good there, but I still felt restricted. I felt like, I don't know, there's something more. I need something more. And that's what I kept doing. My kids and I were like, that's it. (laughs) We went from a teeny tiny town to a bigger town, to a bigger city, to a metropolis, And then we were like, screw this shit. We started going to Nevada and Arizona and um, uh, Los Angeles. Like we started driving all over on massive road trips. That was like part of the need to break free that we had. And then we just were like, screw it. Let's move to another country. (laughs) You know, and I mean, our first day there, we saw this little kid who was maybe not more than I would have to say five or six years old and drunk walking down the street with a bottle of tequila in his hand that was like 75% gone. (laughs) And he was stumbling and we had to um, move out of his way. And my kids looked at me and I looked at them and we were all shocked as hell. And, And my son is like, did you see that kid? Like he could have been more than six years old and he's drunk as fuck. He's like, damn. He's like, I kind of really love this place. You know, like it seemed like suddenly we had no restrictions, complete freedom. It was like, we just moved into the old wild west over here, you know? And, but we kept having to move and like, we just, okay, let's go to what's Mexico got to offer, you know? And then my kids are like, let's go back. Let's go back to the States, see if we can handle it. And we did for a year and a half. We moved to Detroit (laughs) And we, oh, we loved it there. That was more freedom in some ways and less freedom in some ways. But that energy of, we got to break free, man. And now that's why I'm living in Ecuador. And I've been here three years. I'm actually quite satisfied with this country so far. But I'm, I'm, I might be ready to break free again. Have you guys felt that? So anyway, uh, it says, uh, let's see. Um, now the next one, it says you do have a desire to be free and it might not be for you moving around or learning about other cultures and other things. You know, I just want to expand my worldview. It was like, for me, that was my growing need. I have to expand myself as I expand my territory of places I've been to. Um, so that was a part of mine, um, career dissatisfaction. That's kind of the same thing as the other ones. You just feel like I have outgrown this office or (laughs) this corporation. Like I don't feel at home here anymore. It's like that energy of, ah, you know, when you become aware of spiritual reality, it's almost like going to your doom every day, having to be in an office with other people that are not spiritually awakening. It's crazy. I mean, a lot of people have written to me. You, a lot of you guys have told me, I don't know if I could take it anymore. I might be quitting my job soon. You know, I've had a couple of you write me and say, I just feel like I'm going to break up with my, my boyfriend or my girlfriend, you know, even my own daughter's like, I might not get married, (laughs) you know, like I might maybe break up this week. I don't know. I don't know. I think I feel restricted. I just need to, (laughs) you know, I need my freedom, you know, and, and, and it's the same thing with the career. Like you just feel like maybe I don't like 
working 40 hours a week. Maybe I want to work for more money, but only 30 hours or 25 hours a week. Maybe I want to have a business of my own. That is something I've noticed as people are growing in their spirituality. They're like, I want to be my own boss and have my own thing and do it my way because that's my own personal freedom, time, freedom, money, freedom. That's what we all want, right? And it's becoming more and more and more. There's a growing need to, uh, live authentically and genuinely and be on, on purpose, as she says in this article. So when you feel like your talents and your skills are not being utilized at work, you're like, I need to change my path, dude. I need to go do something that's going to lift me up and inspire me and just spark the energy inside my soul, right? So you feel like you want to uh, have more reward in life. And you want to feel more satisfied. Whereas before is like, let's get the money, pay the rent and then go get drunk on Saturday. (laughs) You know, that's what used to be, you know, for most people, let's hit the, you know, let's, you know, hit the, uh, Sunday, uh, football, you know, we'll go to, we'll go hang out with our friends and then, you know, Monday night football at home, you know, nursing a hangover after work, you know, (laughs) it just seemed to be like, that's what it was for so many decades, at least around the people I knew that I knew a lot of people that did that. Right. Most of the guys I dated were not so much into sports, but a couple, I think in the beginning I dated one guy that was into sports. And then after that, not so much, but, um, it says that a lot of people will realize that their current career is, um, uh, might be, you might find that you do like the career, the thing that you're doing, but you just have to be more of who you are. So you have to just pull out your genuine self more, you know? Um, and, but some people just need a complete path, uh, career path change. You know, um, I did notice that that's uh, a big deal for a lot of people. So a strong desire to find your purpose and who you are, that comes right after this career dissatisfaction. You'll sit at home and go, huh, what, what's, it, what's my life purpose? What am I supposed to do here? You know, how can my, how can I make money from what I'm meant to be doing? You know, why am I, why did I even incarnate here? Why am I even, you start asking the massive questions and you have to find out who you are, why you're here. Why did you come? Why are you necessary on this planet? You know, the, the big questions, you know, and that is, uh, pretty much where we're going to leave off. Now, the rest of these tomorrow, now all of these with the exception of, um, relationship strains and changes and a growing need to break free can possibly be when people are cursing, you're doing black, black magic, but the, but usually all of these are ascension symptoms. It's like emotional and psychological ascension symptoms. So tomorrow we're going to go back to some physical ones um, a little bit. I'm I'm looking at this list going, well, yeah, some of them aren't really physical. Anyway, let's get over to spaceweather.com. Now, I don't know when it hit, but I know that we were hit by some earlier today. We were hit by some... um, now I don't know. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to re up this one, but we were hit by, uh, that energy of the solar wind stream, but it's been coming at us in bursts. One hit us yesterday, one hit us today, 
but it doesn't quite say anything about it on here, so I can't tell. But the current solar wind speed is 320.8 kilometers per second. Not too terribly fast right this minute. Now, check this out, though. A geomagnetic storm is likely because a minor G1 um, or G1 class. Uh, let me say that again. I'm sorry. The, the forecasters of NOAA say that a minor G1 class geomagnetic storm is likely to hit on the 20th and the 21st when we will be inside a stream of high speed solar wind, you know, and it's going to hit our magnetic field and it will be, uh, really massive. Like, so this is a couple days from now, like, well, over the weekend, like last weekend, basically the 20th and the 21st and the gaseous material is flowing at us faster than 600 kilometers per second. And it's coming from the Southern hole in the sun's atmosphere. So right now we do have a stable sunspot AR 2810. It poses no immediate threat for strong solar flares. So we're going to have a solar wind stream, but no solar flares. If you want to know what a radio storm on Jupiter sounds like, it's um, on spaceweather.com right now. If you want to go check it out, there's also a picture of a fog bow. You guys have heard of a rainbow and this is the rainbow's ugly cousin, <laughs> like moths or the ugly cousins of butterflies. This is a, in Flagstaff, Arizona, David Blanchard was able to, um, catch a fog bow. It's like a rainbow in the sky, but there's no colors to it. And it's made from the, uh, ice cold crystals just hanging in the air and the way the sun lights it up. And it's because of a departing winter storm and, uh, the landscape was blanketed with snow. So I guess in Arizona, it was snowing in the higher mountains. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, they're saying fog bows are actually caused by smaller water droplets and large raindrops are what make rainbows. I did not know that. That's very strange. When the droplets are small, they won't separate the colors of sunlight to make the rainbow colors. That's very interesting. I did not know that. So this one is like a ghostly white arc. It's just kind of an ugly rainbow, basically. But it's a fog. It's cool, though. I like stuff like this. Anyway, um, so if you want to check it out, it's on spaceweather.com. The uh, neutron uh, counts from Ulu, Finland... Uh, are high. They're 8.8% of the space age average, which means they've gone up by 0.3% in the past 48 hours. And this is basically the cosmic radiation that hits us, changes our DNA and causes <laughs> uh, the ascension symptoms we've been talking about. So uh, NASA's all sky cameras and the all sky fireball network were able to capture 12 fireballs over the United States today. And that means there's probably more elsewhere in the world. Um, they only are monitoring 14 out of the 50 states. So pretty interesting stuff. All right. Uh, we are at power 17. I want to make sure. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to just, yeah, that's where we are. Disclosurenews.it. It says there, there was a peak and then there was a blackout. 
and 17 was the big number. That was it on the Schumann resonance scale. That's it. And they had a blackout and guess what? So did the heart math Institute. There is no data available right now. It's temporary. I hope that tomorrow we will be able to get more, um, data and there's the, there's a resonant wolf dog (laughs) right on time every day at the same time. So I wanted to bring up a couple other things. I told you guys about things that I noticed had changed in my world. And there was another weird thing that is only pertaining to me, but I wonder if you guys haven't gone through this lately in the past couple weeks, I had bought, um, some food, um, and with an expiration date, it was like yogurt and it had an expiration date of the 15th of March. And I remember thinking, okay, good. I have until the 15th of March. And then on the 15th of March, I'm like, oh crap, this might have been expired. And when I looked, it said the 20th of March, even though I made a point to know when it, you know, expired before I even bought it. So I don't know. And then I noticed that that happened to a couple other things. <laughs> like I hopped a better timeline or something where all of the food I bought expired a week after I thought it did. I remember it in one way. So that's another, that was another weird example of shifts in energy. And I think we all hopped a timeline. At least I know I did. But, um, let's see. There's a lot of rain here. Um, the river, people are worried it's going to break the bank, the river bank. And if that happens, uh, I might get flooded here. Hopefully not. I have a big retaining wall. I'm hoping it's not going to be inundated. I hope it won't affect the stuff I still have in the backyard that has mold in it that I'm slowly but surely bringing into the house after treating with this UV light, which is pretty insane. But, um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stuff. Anyway, you know, here I'm having uh, allergies suddenly. Something's blooming at this time of year. I am not used to living in this part of Cuenca. That's for sure. Right here, right on the river with all the plants out there. But anyway, um, so if something like that does happen, I might not be able to do the show for a couple days until I can figure some stuff out. But Hopefully it won't happen and hopefully we'll be fine. And I think it's going to be okay. And my higher guidance says it's going to be okay. And another insight I had, uh, before we uh, take a break here is, uh, as I was, uh, awakening this afternoon, I slept all day. So that's the first thing. (laughs) Um, as I was awakening, awakening, I realized that energetically I had allowed myself to be open telepathically to the questions that people are asking me constantly about spirituality. And I'm like feeling like I have to help people constantly. And it's not, and I don't mean when you guys write me, you know, or you know, direct message me at mermaid girl, eight, 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 by the way, on Instagram, It wasn't that (laughs) it wasn't like I was dreaming about writing you guys. It was more like so many of you are asking me questions in your mind and I'm answering your questions while I'm asleep. 
I don't know. <laughs> and it might not only be you guys listening to my show, but other people in general maybe are asking questions and I'm answering them and I'm constantly working in my sleep. And, um, I just don't, it dawned on me. I realized it was happening and that was really freaky. And I was like, God, what am I doing? And prime creator said, well, that's what you're doing. And he showed me that that's what I'm doing. I'm like, no wonder I'm so tired all the time. And he said, yeah, take back your power. And I'm like, how? And he goes this way. And I can't explain it other than the God in me opened me up to complete and pure peace. And that was it. I just stopped hearing people's questions. I stopped answering people. I stopped having that. Um, I'm not really a people pleaser type of person. I more often than not will piss people off. I'm a <laughs> people pisser offer <laughs> more than a people pleaser person. But, you know, I say no a lot more than I say yes, <laughs> you know, to people's requests for things. But, um, you know, and it's just stuff I can't handle. I'm like, no, like social stuff. It's just, uh, no, but <laughs> no, I don't want to go to church with you. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't get asked a lot for stuff anymore, especially not in this neighborhood, but, um, which is cool. People kind of stick to themselves, but, um, anyway, <laughs> but I just kind of, um, stopped. And when I stopped, all of a sudden I felt this energy expand from my chest outward and it became like the shape of a big white egg and this energy just, ah, and it was just this, I'm floating in a bubble shaped like an egg. And it was that kind of energy. And all of a sudden I became very aware of the birds singing outside of the sunlight streaming through the window of the, the, the sound of the river rushing, 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 rushing. Usually it's a very gentle meandering crystal clear river coming through here. And right now it's a color of milk chocolate, <laughs> like Easter candy, milk chocolate, because all it's just grabbing so much mud because there's so much rain. We've had heavy, heavy, heavy rains and it's watching this river. It's like, damn, this is, this is really scary. Like, um, our little wolf dog out here, she used to run across the, um, this river, which was only like maybe a foot deep, it, you know, when it was dry and she'd run across the river, grab a, a chicken off of the ranchers, uh, or, you know, this guy's farm and steal the chicken and eat it live. It's really disgusting, but she would do this and be so pleased with herself, her and, um, Lobo, he would do that too. And they'd come so happy, like scratching at our door back before I had a cat and they were angry at me <laughs> and I'd open the door and they'd be covered in blood and they'd be like bouncing around and wagging their tails. Cause they're wolves, they're wolf dogs. They're so happy with themselves. Look, we made a kill. We're so excited. You know? Oh my God. So disgusting. But <laughs> it's like, why are you guys always covered in blood? It's so inexplicable. And then I, when I saw the chicken, I'm like, Oh my God. But now it'd be dangerous. They would be swept away and <laughs> we would never see them again. And they know it. So they don't go down into the water right now. It's crazy dangerous right now. But, um, but anyway, my energy field expanded and I got this energy of peace, complete and total, like whew, peace. 
and I was centered in a way that, I mean, I'm always centered, but this was different somehow. I I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, I had a moment of clarity that I have not had in a very long time, if ever, not to this extent, not to this level. So I hope that this is happening for you guys. Uh, there was uh, Naga Healing. She's been putting out a lot of stuff about very negative energies coming up for people. And she's not getting a whole lot of comments on it. She'll get like one or two people going, yeah, definitely. You know, and I left her a couple comments going, no. I've been feeling a little bit like bouts of anxiety and worry. And then bouts of feeling completely calm and fine and feel safe emotionally. And then I worry that I'm not worrying enough. And then the anxiety comes back. (laughs) You know, when you're a Virgo, you're just, you, if you worry all the time, and then when you stop worrying, you go, why am I not worrying enough? And then you start worrying again. It's like that nervous energy, (laughs) you know, but overall I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling filled with joy. I'm having moments of joy and dancing does occur. Dancing breaks out quite often. So I, I mean, for me, I'm having a good old time over here, <laughs> you know, even though I'm busy and I'm, you know, working on my class, you know, either during the day or during the night, if, if during the day, I'm not mentally clear enough, usually in the evening, by the time I'm done with the show, I'll stay up for another two or three hours, just writing, um, what I'm writing right now. And I've, I've gotten up to, you know, I've gotten like 20 pages or something done. So, um, getting ready for that 15 sources of anxiety class for Udemy. Um, I feel like if we can identify where our, um, anxiety is coming from, then it's going to be a lot easier to resolve it inside ourselves instead of getting a pill. And then that doesn't resolve anything because you still don't know where it's actually coming from, you know? Um, anyway, so I, I just want you guys to know that that's inside you. That's <laughs> that center of peace that God is inside of you, that, that energy of the Christ consciousness, and it is an expansive light. And if you allow it, it's going to permeate everything. And then you'll just feel at peace and you're going to feel calm and you're just going to be like, Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Like that was a moment of clarity I really needed. So anyway, I just want to bring it up. I'm going to take a quick break. And after this quick little, um, musical, <laughs> it's not even a ditty. It's like a, a dit. It's going to be very small. Um, and I'll be right back and I'm going to be channeling Ashtar Shearhan tonight. He is Michael Shearhan of Ashtar Command and the Pleiadian Light Forces. I think you might have an update or something. I don't know what. Um, we'll, we'll get there when we get there and we'll see when we see, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I'll be right back. guys it's taken me a long time to get to the second half of the show because somebody that lives with me and I'm not saying who Miss Kitty <laughs> Miss Ravenspell um, 
she was being slightly naughty with the blinds again and I had to put her outside. Next thing I know, the giant umbrella came crashing down. It's like a restaurant umbrella. It's a big square thing that is extremely heavy that I, and I can't even lift it, which means I'm going to have to go out there every day and try to lift it until I'm strong enough to <laughs> I mean, it feels like it weighs, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 pounds. I don't know. Eventually I'll be able to lift it. It's maybe it's not even that much. It just feels like it. Um, (laughs) all I know is being in quarantine for over a year has really taken its toll on my ability to lift things like giant restaurant style umbrellas (laughs) anyway the crash was so loud and it's now taking up my entire backyard I mean this thing is freaking massive and my cat was very scared and she has been right now she's not but she was for about two hours she wanted me to hold her (laughs) So my little tiny fur baby had to have me hold her, pet her little paws, kiss her head, like for two hours. I asked her if she wanted to go inside the zipper of my hoodie, and she really did. So she needed me to reassure her because I'm not mad at her about what she did. Exactly. But it's like a big deal. Like, I don't. (laughs) Oh, my God. I wish my son was here. He could have. We could have lifted this thing together. It's massive. There was. I think she pushed. There was like a big rock on top of it to keep it steady from falling over, which means it's fallen over before. And I, I don't know what happened to the rock unless we hopped a timeline and the rock is gone. And maybe it was the wind, but I think it was her. I mean, I I looked all over the backyard for 30 minutes for her, couldn't find her. I was like, oh my God, she's like left the yard. And she had crawled up inside the fireplace outside. So that's what happened to the cat. And she um, finally appeared, (laughs) jumped out of the fireplace. I'm like, oh, Sandy Claus, you're back. (laughs) She literally came down the chimney to appear again in the yard. I'm like, what the hell? So anyway, that's why it's taking me forever (laughs) to get back to, um, the show and my channeling tonight. Um, this is a rare week. Usually I do something different on Thursdays than channeling. I usually do channeling on, um, Wednesdays for sure. And usually Tuesdays and Wednesdays or only Wednesdays. This is a rare week in which I'm doing three channelings in a row. And then tomorrow already, I can't believe we're already to this is, um, the, um, earth changes report in the weekly world, weird world news already. So, um, it's, uh, very interesting how fast the time is going. I don't know if it's racing through for you guys the way it is for me, but my God, 
I mean, it's already past. It's already past, um, like the midpoint of March. We've already gone through three months, guys. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. It's, I don't know if it's my perception. Has has it been that way for you guys too? It just, it's crazy, right? Anyway, um, Oh, now the cat is attacking me. (laughs) I might have to put this off another half hour while I play with her because now she's jumping on, get off my computer. Oh my God. She's laying on my computer and I try to get her off. She's uh, biting me and scratching me. But okay. If you just lay down, (sighs) she's typing on the computer. (laughs) Well, that's a fun activity. You could be mommy's uh, secretary, I guess. Ow, she's biting me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the show now. Is that cool? Meow. Can you say meow for mommy? Oh, I love you, girl. All right, we're holding pause now. <laughs> uh, there she is, touching things on the computer. Hey, hey, please get off mommy's computer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, get off the computer. Thank you. Oh my god. It's making all kinds of noises. <laughs> Alright, what you doing? You wanna come? She needs me to hold her again. Yeah, go inside the zipper. There you go. Come on. Yeah, I'll hold you. She's been really like that that umbrella situation really upset her. Alright, come on in. Come on inside the zipper. We're gonna channel. The Pleiadians, is that okay with you? It's time to channel the Pleiadians. All right, cool. <laughs> now I had to I zip her up inside this so she she gets very relaxed. I won't drop her. She stays inside the hoodie. All right, well, we're going to channel with a cat inside the hoodie. That's fun. Is that okay with you? Okay, I love you, girl. All right. <laughs> I, um, I am an indirect channeler. And I use telepathy and my clairvoyant senses. I have all the clairs, um, you know, where I could smell and see and my body physically feels what the person is sending. So no matter what kind of um, sensations uh, the person is sending, I can get pretty much, you know, like, for example, if I'm channeling the Andromedans and they want to describe um, a fruit or something, I could tell you. Uh, what they're sending me, like if it's sweet or if it's slightly sour or bitter, you know, they can, um, they send whatever they want and then I can interpret it. Um, you know, I could interpret sense. Um, it's really strange. I don't know. My abilities have gotten pretty good. The more I hone the ability and use this, it's like a muscle. You guys could do this too. I'm not, um, special in the way that I can do this and you cannot. Um, it's just something that all humans can do. If this is where you focus your uh, mind, it's a an ability I believe that we all have in our DNA. And um, I think the Lyran said the other day that this is something that we get from the Lyrans maybe because our DNA is a combination of many different, um, races from 
around the universe. Like, we're like a living library of um, various races, apparently. Which I've read in other books um, for years. I've seen this well, three or four different places, I guess. And plus on the internet. So, anyway. Um, I don't do direct channeling, which is when you uh, step aside. You pull your soul out of your body and allow your body to be taken over by an entity. I just get a little freaked out by that. Okay. Now the cat is pricking up. What's up? You want to go see what Blackie's doing? You hear the dogs? She loves looking out the window at the wolves. That's her favorite thing in the world (laughs) is watching people. And she is the nosy neighbor for sure. Right? Yeah. All right. You want to get out? Okay. There you go. All right. I'll see you later. Go watch. Go watch the dog. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. She, uh, I gave her a little perch in front of the window so she can see what the dogs are up to, the wolf dogs. All right. Here we go. Um, I've been connected to Ashtar Sharehan for hours, <laughs> waiting for this moment. So um, who is he? If you are brand new to tuning in and you never heard of this person, um, Michael Sherhan is a Pleiadian commander of a fleet of ships from the Pleiades, and they are in our solar system. They are part of the Galactic Federation and the Galactic Federation of Light, which is a subdivision, and that is a part of um, the Galactic Federation that pretty much tools around our solar system and the Milky Way galaxy, basically. I know this all sounds incredibly crazy. (laughs) I'm not the only one that channels him, though. He came to me two years ago when I started a channel for Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, not the original radio show. And I was kind of blown away by it, and I started looking him up. And I was like, damn, I, he's actually channeled by a lot of people. And I guess the Pleiadians have wanted to really make contact with people um, from all over uh, this planet. They want really and truly to make their presence known. And um, so they have. And what's really weird is the last date that I went on... Um, and the man ended up being my friend. We're just friends. Um, he left, like we had a date and then he left the week later for work. Uh, he went out of town and he didn't know when we had our date that that was going to happen. <laughs> so it was like one of those weird things like, wow, we really got along. We extended the date for like an extra three hours beyond when we thought the date would end. Just talking, just gabbing together. But um, what brought us together is that... Ashtar Shirhan appeared to him one day. He had a a near-death experience, and next thing he knows, he's talking to the the commander of the Pleiadian Light Forces. (laughs) And we were um, talking, and he's like, yeah, when I was little, my mom told me she believes she was from the Pleiades, and he showed me a picture of his mom, and I don't know how to describe it, but she looked like she was Pleiadian. And he said, I think I'm Pleiadian. And 
then this guy, this Pleiadian guy appeared to me. Have you ever heard of Ashtar? I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. Cause I'm channeling him for my show. So, (laughs) I mean, it's like really strange. This is something that I have seen in many different places. And so I feel honored that he chose me and I don't know why I'm not Pleiadian though. I don't feel that I am. My uh, muscle testing says, no, I'm not. But Ashtar is a commander name, uh, like, um, captain or I guess just like that. It's like a title and Ashtar. Um, I think it really means like star or like star captain, something like that. Anyway, so Ashtar Michael Sheerhan would be his title and his name and that's it. So here we go. Okay, begin transmission now, Ashtar Sheerhan. <sighs> Greetings, it is I, Ashtar Sheerhan. I am coming from the Pleiades originally, but I do currently live on my spaceship and I have for many years. And we are touring your your galaxy and we do spend a great deal of time monitoring all the activities on your planet. We go around your world, usually in cloaked devices, uh, smaller ships, but many times we will light our ships up in a way that you will know that we are here. And we do this in a light and happy way where we will have our ships lined up, uh, in a formation or in a line and we'll move about in a way that will both delight and entertain you and also try to eliminate the ideas of um, being afraid of others. As we know that this is something that is inherent to the human race. Um, You're uh, not the only ones in the universe that have um, what you call a knee-jerk reaction to strangers from another world, but your world is the one that we are most uh, currently concerned with at this time. We really love you guys. We think of all of you as our brothers and sisters, and we think of ourselves as your older brothers and sisters, mainly because most of us are quite a bit older. When our race of uh, people ended up in the fifth dimension, and that's where we most um, indubitably reside at the moment. Uh, when we were, uh, transferring over to the fifth dimension, our bodies started to live longer. You're going to notice this in, um, your beings, except in, in your bodies. Um, he said beings, but I think he means bodies. Sorry about that guys. Okay. So, um, Uh, one note, I'm going to tell you guys, this is me, Elena talking now, not just, uh, Michael, uh, basically what happened when the Pleiadians shifted from a third dimensional world to a fifth 
dimensional world is they raised their vibration as much as they could, but they did not make a physical shift. They lifted themselves up, up, up. And then what happened is when they eventually, uh, died, you know, or passed to the next world, they left their bodies behind. And then when they were reborn, they were reborn or reincarnated into a fifth dimensional world. So they did not go from, you know, 3d to 5d, the way that we are doing, we are lifting our own vibrations and it's taking us years. We've already been in this process for roughly four years, even though, I mean, we've been for decades raising our vibrations slowly, but surely, you know, obviously, but we, uh, are in the process of transferring our body and losing and dropping density so that we're moving into the fifth dimension while still alive. We're not going to be reincarnated into the fifth dimension without the leap. We're actually making a physical leap and the whole, uh, universe is watching us. All of the alien races, we call them alien. They're alien to us. All of the races of all the different, uh, planets and star systems and galaxies and whatnot, they're all watching us. <laughs> We're like the show to watch. <laughs> We're it because this has never been done before. And so that's what, uh, Michael is uh, referring to. So as your beings or your people in your world, make the transition to the fifth dimension. We have our light ships that are in the fifth dimension, but we can lower the vibration enough where you see the lights of our ships and they are physical and you will be physical in the fifth dimension, which is a good thing because it's hard for you to imagine what it would be like to be non-physical. Suddenly you're not going to, lose so many electrons <laughs> in your bodies and become so, um, undense that you cease to be, or that you just become a ray of light or something. A lot of people have been asking about, um, the procedure or the process of becoming a fifth dimensional being. And we are the closest ones that we know of that made the leap. But like, uh, Lena said, we were, um, reincarnated into the fifth dimension automatically after a time. And we had, uh, several, are you saying several hundred years? Yeah. I think that's what he's saying. I'm doing muscle testing. Um, we had several hundred years in which we had a transitional world where we had half the people still in the third dimension and half the people in the fifth dimension. Because imagine if you will, while we're making this leap and while people were dying off and then being reborn in the fifth dimension, when that process started, many people, um, many of our females were pregnant. So people were still being born in the third dimension while people were still being, um, 
reincarnated or, you know, newly born into the fifth dimension. So it was a crazy process for us. It took us a long time to be completely in the fifth dimension. And now we no longer have anybody in the third dimension in uh, the planet where we came from anymore. So <clears throat> our, okay. So Michael Sherhan, this is me, Elena asking the question, do you have any, because when we say the Pleiades from our perspective, um, we see about seven stars, even though there's a lot more than that in that area of the sky from our vantage point. So there's plenty of planets around there. Um, how many planets are inhabited by people in the Pleiades? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, as far as we know, um, we're so you're saying 36 to 37. Okay. Yeah. I saw the number guys. So he's speaking. And as I'm hearing the words, I see, uh, the number come up like a vi- the visual was like, I saw planets, I saw the stars and then I just saw the number 36 and then the six was replaced with the seven. So I'm like, well, that was weird. It was just like, he sent me the visual image of the numbers as he was saying the words. So that's, um, when the cool things happens while you're channeling. Okay. So 36 to 37 planets, uh, at least from where we came from, uh, are inhabited with life. And some of the life forms are quite different than us. We look a lot more like humans than, um, other ET races, but we do have one planet in our uh, solar system that is kind of, um, the, the, the race of, uh, humanoids there. I mean, they look like us, you know, with two legs, two arms and a head, you know, torso, just normal, but their skin is, um, what you can maybe relate to in your world is like a tree frog where it's green and blue and they are, we want to say amphibious humanoids. If you want to say it like that, they're, uh, they can live on land. They can live in the water. Uh, do they, so they, do they have like gills on their neck or something? He's like, no, um, they have like a gill form on their underneath their nose that, so they could breathe oxygen from the atmosphere. Uh, so it is an oxygen world. Yes. Yes. So they could breathe oxygen or the gills that are just, um, underneath their nose will open up and they could breathe underwater. So they literally are like amphibious creatures and their skin does not uh, it doesn't flake off or get dry. It's, uh, self moisturizing and they're very interesting and they have a very interesting culture because it's very versatile. Some of their dwellings have, uh, like an underwater component and, and above water component. So, uh, He's showing me like these houses that are like half in the water and sticking out of the water. So where do they sleep though? So he's showing me, he says he doesn't really know, right? He says, but he thinks that they could probably sleep either way. 
and it might be easier for them to sleep in the air, but they could sleep under, under, um, he says, but he thinks that cause their gills are so small under their nose that they could breathe for short periods of time in the water, but they don't prefer, you know, to try to live underwater a long time, which is why they have most of their houses are either on land or more above the water than below. So what about tides and stuff on that planet? Like on our planet, we have massive tides at some times of the day. Wouldn't that knock their houses down or, you know, so on their, on their planet, they have very low tides because they have more than one moon. They have three moons you're saying. So they have three moons and the moons all come at different intervals. So, um, they have a 36 hour day and it's like every 12 hours they have a different moon in the sky. So they're all like 12 hours apart. Um, and okay. So they have moons during the day and moons during the night. And I'm assuming they have some sort of a star like our sun. Yes, exactly. It's in our solar system. It's the same sun that we have in the planet where we come from. And, uh, so do they have space travel? No, they haven't really developed space travel, but they honestly don't really care. They don't have electronics. They don't, they're very primitive people, even though they know, um, about these things, not so much the electronics, but they know because we visited their planet and they know about the, um, abilities. And we asked them if they would be interested and they pretty much are quiet and they stick to themselves. They have a very, uh, calm culture. They, uh, hunt in groups. Sometimes they'll all go together in the water and swim. Um, and they hunt in groups. They eat the, um, the equivalent of what you would call fish, even though they're creatures that are different than what you have in your ocean, but pretty much it's, they look the same as your fish. They eat fish and they, um, sometimes they'll gather birds. They'll hunt birds and eat, um, the seabirds and, um, they have different, uh, uh, gathering, uh, techniques that they do. Uh, they work together and they've made tools, you know, to get fruit out of trees or whatever. And they don't cultivate gardens. They don't have to, cause they have plentiful amounts of food on their uh, land or, you know, on their planet, but they're quite interesting. So, you know, our point is there's many different, um, inhabited worlds where we come from, but not all of the humanoids are the same. Most of them look like us, but more or less, some are shorter, some are taller, some are tall and skinny. Some are very short and uh, bulky, but, um, you know, pretty much they look a lot like humans, um, except for this one particular planet of, um, humanoid amphibian type of, uh, beings. All right. So now that we've gotten through that, uh, description, that was really interesting. I really enjoy that. Michael, thank you. All right. So can you, um, do you have a message for us? You know, we're almost 30 minutes into this recording. So I'm assuming you have information or something. Yes. Yes. Indeed we do. We are always looking at 
the levels of uh, vibratory rates of humans and we look at your world and we look at what we perceive to be the number of people uh, awakening in your world, spiritually speaking. And we can tell that in spite of what it might look like, the outward appearances, many, many, many more people have woken up. And we would say 75% of all the people in your world have gotten into some sort of spiritual awakening process already. And that is a massive amount. And your, um, your ascension symptoms are continuing, but it seems like they're going to be stepping up. The more people that spiritually awaken, the more light your planet will be able to take in. And the more light your planet takes in from the cosmic radiation, the solar winds, all the things that you guys know about and all the things that you don't really know about yet, because you have other energies penetrating your world. And, and this is universal. The whole universe is having, um, various types of light that you cannot perceive with your human eyes. And we cannot even perceive them with our, uh, we have instruments to read them, but we can't see them with our eyes either. Even though we are in the fifth dimension, there are, we have instruments that can, uh, make readings of, um, the various frequencies and energies out there. Um, we don't want to go into all the science of it with you guys right now. We don't have a lot of time to explain it to you, but we have to let you know that we see your world. We see everything becoming so much less dense and you are going more rapidly into the fifth dimension at this time. And we see a lot of you changing and making progress, um, much more rapidly now than we expected would happen. We noticed that your time has been speeding up in a lot of, uh, ways, not just on a personal perception level. We see that time crystals have been, uh, discussed outwardly and publicly, but we want to let you know that your scientists have already known about these for a very long time and not just in theory, but in reality, at least in the secret, uh, space programs and different secret, um, we don't want to call them all space programs, but the secret programs, um, research, uh, and whatnot in private corporations, as well as in secret governments around the world. You know, there's always the black ops, they call them because they're, um, done under the obscurity of night. At least that's our perception of what black operations means. And what happens is, um, by the time information gets to the public, it's already been going on for a very long time. So your scientists are saying, Oh, look, we discovered time crystals and Oh, look, it looks like we might be able to speed up or slow down time. And look at this. I think we've learned how to, uh, time travel. And they're saying this now because they've been time traveling for decades and it's going to become available to your public. Um, at some point in the future, we will say maybe 2028 possibly. And if your scientists had just discovered time crystals 
only this year right now, and this is the first time they heard of it, obviously it would take more than seven years to develop a way to travel through time. But we know, um, we've seen uh, many of your scientists work on this publicly, trying to figure it out. But in reality, most of the bigger corporations, from our perspective, they have had a lot of secret um, experimentation going on for decades that they don't let the public know because they don't want to get people's... um, Are you really saying that? Okay. He says dander up. I'm like, what? (laughs) We don't want to get people's people's dander up. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. Oh, he's like, it's not. No, that means like when people get a little bit egotistically like aware of something and then they get like, they're getting ready to fight. It means a dog, like, like to get a dog's dander up means like, literally like the dandruff or whatever that might be in their hair will fall out <laughs> because their hair starts to stand on end. He's like, Oh, that's not at all what I thought that meant then. No. Uh-uh. So let's try that again. It will. Um... He's like, okay, let's just talk straight. Then he's, he's trying to use a, a human phrasing to get right. Okay. Hopes up. <laughs> it will get people's hopes up. So they were doing the experiments behind in secret. They don't want to get people's hopes up. And as, re- as a result, um, they just kept it completely secret, but now they have it completely figured out to the point where it's super safe for the public already. And so now they're going to be developing ways and programs in which you can safely, um, travel through time in both directions, but, um, in a way that you will not ever be able to disturb the timelines and you could keep the timelines intact. And they want to make sure the earth is fully in the fifth dimension before they do this, because there could be problems with the hopping from the 3d to the 5d And when you observe the 3D after you're in the 5D, you're going to be in the 5D. So you'll be slightly phased out and you can witness and view events in the third dimension from a fifth dimensional view. You'll be able to see them, but at the same time, they won't be able to see you or make you out. Um, And that's what the scientists are now just waiting for before they release that technology. Well, that's... Okay, this is me, Elena, talking again. That's very, very interesting. Michael, I never considered that before. <laughs> that was really, really strange. That's, um, I don't think I've ever heard a discussion about that before. He said, well, this is something that's been discussed behind closed doors. You know, so why would you, basically, right? <laughs> he says, yes, exactly. Um, there's no reason for you to have... Um, considered this, uh, before most people are just hoping someday it'd be nice to have time travel because it'd be interesting to go back and look at uh, certain historical events. Um, most people want to go back and see the dinosaurs or they like to go back in time and hear certain speeches like Martin Luther King or, um, you know, when people around the world have made, um, various proclamations or speeches or whatever, um, 
it's very moving emotionally and a lot of humans when they enter into conversations like this will talk mostly about I want to see the Gettysburg address or I want to hear John F. Kennedy's speech or I want to see Martin Luther King or um, even Martin Luther nailing his decree on the side of the uh, Catholic um, uh, you know, door when he made his own church and he started Lutheranism, for example. Um, you know, a lot of people would want to be there in a, in a, a time machine that's secret. No one can see and it's phased out. They'd like to go see maybe the look on his face. And when he was angry and nailing this paper to the door, it'd be very interesting. And there's like all these things that have marked very important, um, and various things on your planet, such as religious uh, icons or, um, uh, events that sparked, uh, wars or, um, all the various things that, um, I mean, most people, we don't think will want to actually go witness the wars themselves, but they would like to maybe witness, um, the history of the inventions that came up out of a necessity, um, after war, you know, or maybe you'd want to see the, uh, flight, the very first airplane that took off, you know, maybe you'd like to go see Leonardo da Vinci with his flying machine, which, you know, incidentally was before the Wright brothers, but (laughs) we have studied your earth history so much. And we're so excited about all of these events. We have our own versions and our own recordings on our spaceships about your earth from a Pleiadian perspective. And, um, when we are able to interact with you and you are fully engrossed in the fifth dimension and you can see us and we can come and land and say hello to you, we would find it quite thrilling and quite a pleasure to bring to you our version of your earth history from our perspective. We think that you might find it interesting to get a perspective outside of your own, um, outside of your own, um, ideas of it. Cause usually when you have, uh, for example, a war, you have, you know, side a and side B and depending on what side you're on, you're going to see it from your perspective and you're not going to hear the other side of the story. But when you hear these stories from us, you're going to see it from a third perspective. Um, sometimes we were able to be there at historical events, um, you know, kind of in the sidelines, taking notes. We had scientific officers in many of your, um, countries in various times throughout human history. And we were able to, um, record some of these things because our technology has been advanced for hundreds of years before your technology. For example, we had moving video recorders, you know, moving pictures as you call them. Um, or, you know, when you first started movies, you called it that, but like we have like, um, the equivalent of videos that we have taken of parts of your history that you yourselves could not take pictures or videos of because 
It just wasn't invented yet. So we look forward to bringing these um, historical documents from our perspective to your world. We're very excited about... uh, I just looked at the time, guys. It's (laughs) 3.33. First of all, sorry that I'm 33 minutes late getting this out. Second of all, that's a really good angel number to have. Means that masters of light are here to help you. <laughs> I mean, you can look it up. It's there's more explanation to it, but I just I just looked and it's like what? Um, by the way, one of the major ascension symptoms right now is um, a sore throat, swollen and scratchy throat, as well as um, sneezing a lot and blowing your nose a lot. And I've had to stop this video or I mean this audio four or five times just to blow my nose. So just, just so you know that, (laughs) just like there had to do it again. Okay. Michael Sherham, please continue. Ashtar (laughs) says, thank you very much, Elena. Okay. So, um, we wanted to share this with you. We wanted to share the information of this with you because we want to keep your imaginations running and we want you to be properly motivated to move forward and take your personal leaps because it's only through your individual personal leaps that humanity in general is going to take a massive leap forward. We are really, um, we're really grateful to, uh, have the opportunity to talk to you at this point before we actually meet you because we imagine how frightening it would be if you did not know that any extraterrestrials existed at all. And then you took a massive, uh, consciousness leap forward and suddenly you're in the fifth dimension years later. And all of a sudden we appeared out of nowhere. We imagine how frightening that would be. So that's another reason why we wanted to, um, you know, we want to motivate you and inspire you to keep going, keep going spiritually because you're there. You're, you're almost there. You're so close, um, to reaching your, uh, spiritual goals. And some of you just want to be fully aware of your divine self. And some of you wish to become, um, masters of time and space and the material world and masters of, you know, it starts with being master of your own emotions and then, um, masters of everything eventually. And then, then a lot of you want to be ascended masters where you can physically ascend by yourself even further. And your whole world is in the process of ascending to the fifth dimension. And then from there, many of you we'll keep going in your spirituality. And we see that you're going to be ascending into even the seventh dimension. Um, we don't see quite possibly the ninth it's, it's possible, but we don't see that happening hardly at all. Um, when we look at all of your, um, planet and all of the beings on your world, we, um, have the ability to look into the future a little bit. We are all psychic and we have, um, some instruments that can predict within a pretty close, um, like 98.5 to 98.9% accuracy. We can see, um, 
you know, based on many, many hundreds of factors, we can see pretty much where your world is going. And we could look into your individual natures and how fast and rapidly you have grown. We could predict on an individual basis, but it's not as accurate. It's more like 85 to 86% accurate when we try to predict for individuals. But we do uh, try to predict for your world some of the things that we um, see happening. And so we get excited about telling you that we see your world taking massive leaps forward really quickly. Oh, I just looked, guys, it was 44.55 into this recording. So (laughs) lots of magical synchronicities happening right now. Two master numbers. um, Quite possibly 44 is a twin flame number also. It's just double of 22, which is twin flame number, which is double of 11, which is definitely a twin flame number. So that was a confirmation for some of you. Okay. Um, so where were we? So we are predicting between 2027 and 2028, um, time travel will be possible and there'll be time travel stations set up or companies around the world that where will you will be allowed to travel in time to various points of history, but you won't be able to go too far into the future um, because you don't want to affect the future negatively or something. Um, So for example, if you go, you know, 10 years into the future and you see that, um, certain inventions are created. You don't want to go, uh, back to your timeline and somehow prevent that from happening. We see that there's going to be a lot of protocols in place where you can only witness uh, very limited events or things in the future, but you'll be able definitely to travel back into the past a lot easier. And it won't split off the timelines like going into the future would, you know, so you won't be able to, for example, see sporting events in the future and then go back in time and bet on them. Not like in the movie back to the future, you know, you won't be able to do things like that. Um, you know, make bets of people to win money, (laughs) you know, it won't be anything like that at all. And some of the things, if you see, they're going to swear you to secrecy, um, under penalty of legal and legal problems as well as financial problems, um, in the event that you do see events. So when you do, uh, sign up for time travel and at first it'll be very expensive. It'll be like a thousand dollars for 10 minutes, but the 10 minutes will be, um, in this time. And then you could go back. It might take hours it might seem like hours, um, in the past. And then you'd be, then you're brought back 10 minutes later. Um, and we, uh, see that that price will go down by 2029. It'll be a lot more common by 2030. The average person will be able to time travel and we see by 2035, maybe. Now this is a prediction for your current timeline and the current, uh, path of where you're going. We do see a lot more, uh, natural disasters on your world as well. We're seeing, um, 
but they're showing me, you guys, they just showed me a picture and it was like a bunch of icebergs like floating in the northern part of the Atlantic Ocean. Is that what you meant to show? <coughs> yes, we didn't know um, if you would catch on that onto that picture or not. We see a lot of this kind of thing happening. We see more of a... Um, no, your world is not going to become a frozen tundra, you know, like throughout Europe and Northern America, but we do see a lot of colder temperatures coming um, in places that you didn't have before. Like you just had the snow in Texas and we watched that. We sent a lot of love and light to these areas where people were suffering, not just in the United States, but around the whole world. Um, we cannot interfere with the natural planetary forces because that goes against, um, what you would call the prime directive. It's in your star Trek, uh, TV show. We see, um, a lot of our roles end up in, uh, ended up in this show, but we, uh, can't really interfere with the natural process of, um, the way earth functions, but we do send a lot of love and high vibrational healing energy so that people can get through it emotionally. And sometimes we send uh, healing energy and vibrations to people where they can heal physically if they need to. Um, just because we have so much love and compassion for you. Like we said, you're like our little brothers and sisters and we do have a great deal of love for you. So we will continue to send high vibrational energies to you to help you in your process a lot faster. We will keep continue, um, keep up and continue with our prayers. We do pray, we do meditate and we do send a lot of love and light your way. We have a great deal of love and respect for the human race and we will continue to do so. And we will continue to constantly, love you and we will hopefully get to see you soon. So with that, I am signing off uh, from this conversation and we will be in touch quite soon. We love you very much with the God in us. We bow to the God in you and we send our blessings and our love and transmission. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> so there you have it, guys. That's it. Um, that's it for tonight. Thank you for your continued faith and confidence in myself and my abilities. I'm really grateful to have you as a listener. And I just basically want to say that I love you guys. Um, this is me, Elena talking now. Um, I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I had to stop it again and blow my nose. Oh my God. I, I just need to get off here and go take another Benadryl. If I took a Benadryl, I'd fall asleep while I'm recording. Is <laughs> it so powerful? Um, anyway, um, what was I saying? Yeah, I love you guys. I will be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. And tomorrow is Friday and it is the, um, Earth Changes Report and Weekly Weird World News. And hopefully we'll have some good, weird, <laughs> good, weird, not bad, weird stories for you guys tomorrow. 
But that's it for now. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Till next time, guys. Peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.